Blog Talk Radio. Because it's true. 
so I haven't quite decided which one I'm going to do for next week, but it's either us versus them, or it's funny because it's true. The week of June 9th, Sunday, June 9th, we will be talking about feminism, intersectionality. So look for that information to come up soon. And, again, that's June 9th, Sunday, and we'll be discussing intersectionality. And the week after that, June the 16th, guys, you do not want to miss that show. June 16th, Sunday, we will have Anti-Intellect, and we'll have Reverend Xavier on the show. And we are going to talk about black male feminism or black male feminists. And it's going to be a great show. So for those of you who are not familiar with these two gentlemen, Anti-Intellect is on Facebook. You can find this information there. If you go and click on the show information, the link is there. I'll link to it later on after the show. And I'll also um, link to Reverend Xavier's blog as well. And he has a WordPress page and, I'm sorry, a blogspot page. And I'll link that up a little bit later on as well. But we will be discussing black male feminists coming from black male feminists. So it should be a fantastic show. And on June 23rd, that following Sunday, Whichever one I don't do next Sunday, I'll do the following Sunday. So it's either going to be us versus them or it's funny because it's true. So that's what's coming up the month of June. And for that June the 30th, I haven't decided, you know, yet. But normally it probably would be a vacation day. Why? Because I need one. So, you know, (laughs) it should be interesting. But, yeah, guys, you know, we have a lot coming up. I definitely wanted to give you all a heads up on what's happening, and especially on June 16th. That is going to be a phenomenal show. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, you know, we have a lot of wonderful things coming up on uh, coming up in the future, and we want you guys to be a part of it. Um, for input, if you all have any questions, you can reach me, blackfreethinkers at gmail.com or you can reach out to me on Facebook, have a variety of different ways in which you can contact me. So I'm definitely looking forward to hearing from you guys. Um, A few announcements that I have. Um, Dr. Hutchison, Sikibu Hutchison, her new book, Godless Americana, is now available on Amazon, everybody. So if you get a chance, check it out, pick up a copy of it. It's a phenomenal book. If you go to archives, you'll be able to find the show in which, you know, she discussed her book, you know, in great detail. As a matter of fact, it's a featured show, so you can go and listen to that. And the featured show is the uncut interview, and then we have a full show after that, which incorporates that interview. In addition to that, um, she's calling for papers. So she's putting together an anthology, Women of Color Beyond Faith. And she's taking entries. Um, The deadline is June, I'm sorry, September 30th. And I have posted the link on several occasions. I posted it in a chat room. It's all over Twitter and on Facebook. And I'll post it again um, today after the show and later on this week. But, yeah, definitely a call for papers, Women of Color Beyond Faith. And, Again, the deadline is September 30th of this year. That's just for the abstract submission. So, guys, you know, check that out. And, you know, we're looking for women of color. That's not necessarily only pertaining to African-American women, but, you know, Latino women, Native American or indigenous women, um, Asian women, Filipino, um, just across the board. We're trying to cross the spectrum. So, you know, find the information, I'll put it out there again, and we are looking forward to hearing from you guys. You know, it should be wonderful. But, yeah, that's what's going on with that there. And also, they're still taking donations. Black Skeptics Group of Los Angeles, they're still taking donations for next year's scholarship fund. So for those who would like to donate, you can donate um, via PayPal, and that email address is blackskeptics at gmail.com. Again, blackskeptics at gmail.com. You can donate to the scholarship fund, and there you go. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, it's been an interesting week for me. Yeah, I still think my trainer is trying to kill me. That's another story. Had me on that treadmill for 15 minutes at a slow jog. Well, we can tell you how that ended. But anyway, 
<laughs> it was good. It was good. I've been enjoying it. Been going to her for about a year now, going on a one year anniversary here. And we're getting it together slowly but surely. You know, the pace that she had me on for 15 minutes last year, this time, I would not have been able to do this. So we've made some great strides there. So we just wanted to give a shout out to Rated R Fitness over on the north side of Chicago. So, you know, there were a few things that came up this week before we get into our topic. One to bring, you know, several things up. It's, it's been quite a bit. One issue that I definitely wanted to put on um, everybody's mind is Sakia Gunn. Um, Sakia Gunn was a young lady in New Jersey that was murdered, and it did not receive really any um, publicity. And um, Reverend Irene Moore wrote an article about her, and I posted it on my page. I'm going to put it in the chat room in a minute. But just wanted to, you know, remember her and to remind you guys that there are still young people and older people, you know, being killed just because um, they're members of the LGBTQ community. And we need to keep that in the forefront. We need to talk about those things because, you know, some people are being killed. There are a lot of suicides. These are issues that need to be addressed. In addition to that, you all saw the article about the young lady who had uh, a relationship with a younger girl, and the parents had the young lady incarcerated because they they blamed her for their daughter being, you know, a member of the LGBTQ community. And there are a lot of injustices happening. Now, had it been because the young lady was 18 and the other young lady was 14, that's one thing. But they had her jailed mainly because of the LGBTQ issue. Now, that's where the conflict comes in for me because had it been a young man, 18, dating a 14-year-old girl, he would have been incarcerated because of his age. But in this case, the young lady was incarcerated because of her um, her LGBTQ status. And we have to keep all of this in mind. We need to talk about these issues and put it out there and, you know, address these issues. It's just it's important that we know what's happening. So, yeah, so it's the 10th anniversary of Sakia Gunn and just wanted to pay homage to her and let her let everybody know that her death is definitely not in vain. So, you know, we'll talk about that again on another day. Um, I posted an article on my page today from uh, a gentleman, and he says why he calls himself an atheist Muslim. And it was an interesting article. Um, you know, you may get something out of it. I post it in the chat room now. And it's on my wall, and I put it out on Twitter and Tumblr and all of that as well. But, you know, you have all these different people with these different categories, these different titles. So he calls himself an atheist Muslim. And in our community, you have people who call themselves agnostic atheists or agnostic or, you know, you just have all these different titles. And, you know, this is just my opinion. But it's starting to sound like, you know, the religious community with all of these titles. Either, you know, but you can call yourself what you want, you know. Um, it's just, it's interesting. And, you know, you have all of these different titles. And I'm just going to leave it at that and moving right along. Uh, you know, interesting, um, the group, the gospel group, Mary Mary, one of the young ladies in the group, um, did this article and talking about how her hope has turned into hopelessness and basically asking the audience, you know, the people who watch their quote-unquote reality show, as well as their fans, to go on a 30-day fast with them as her and her husband tried to repair their relationship because apparently he strayed. And, you know, the ironic part about it is no one would have known that he strayed had she not told it because she started showing up at events without her wedding rings. And, you know, some people are just extremely curious, and they're asking, well, where's your wedding ring? Personally, I think they're doing it for the ratings, and it's just, you know, they're trying to get everybody involved and incorporated into, you know, what I consider as a dramatic, you know, turn of events there. 
And, again, they have a reality show. So just keep that in mind. It's definitely, you know, for ratings. And as someone says, it's marketing. Yes, it's part of the marketing. It's part of the PR. And, you know, this is, to me, is horrible. You know, they have another reality show coming up um, about preachers in Los Angeles. Let's see how much of the truth really comes out. That show is going to be edited and chopped up like nobody's business because, you know, some of the secrets some of those guys hold, you know, they'll never allow that to be on television. But that's another story there. And that's all I'm going to say about that because I don't need them calling me up. And so moving right along. Now, I definitely would be remiss if I did not talk about and mention the school closings here in Chicago. And that was finalized this week, and that's why I kind of waited before I spoke on it to see if they were actually going to close, you know, the schools that were on the list. And, yes, they decided to close 49 elementary schools and one high school and because they were saying that schools were being underutilized. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Chicago Public Schools' definition of underutilized, that means they have less than 37 kids in each class. That's a lot of children for one adult to try to supervise and teach. That's a lot of children. And in addition to that, would you really want 37-plus children in a special needs class? Would you really want 37-plus children in a Head Start or, you know, kindergarten class, you know, even though that's, you know, they have kindergarten classes. They don't have Head Starts at Chicago Public School System. But still, you know, that's that's a lot of kids for one adult to supervise and to teach. And so many different issues happening up here. You know, I have a wonderful article that I'm going to post um, to my wall a little bit later. I'm going to put it in the chat room now. But in essence, you know, the gentleman that wrote about this, he talked about high school here in the city in, you know, very affluent um, neighborhood. And the name of the high school was New Trier. And at this particular high school, all of the students are receiving iPads, you know, and they're going to roll out the laptops that the students currently have. And according to, you know, the statistics, you know, these that school in particular is also underutilized. It's not 37 children per classroom there, but yet they have enough money to buy each student an iPad. Now, mind you, you know, um, the district is only going to cover 40% of the cost, and the parents have to, you know, uh, come up with the additional cost, you know, the other 60%. But iPads, when children, you know, in the inner city, you know, particular very urban areas, um, socially and economically disadvantaged areas in a city, they barely have enough books. Some of these children are sharing books. You know, the equipment in the schools don't work. You know, some of these schools, if you go into their gym area, you know, the swimming pool is not a swimming pool, it's a storage unit because it's been cracked and hasn't been repaired. You know, the lab equipment is antiquated. What's what's really happening here in, in the city? So right now it's just turning into a major fight. Um, it's just it's sad. It's sad. It, it's very hurtful. And right now, you know, they're doing voter registration and they're trying to vote uh, Rahm Emanuel out of office um, because, you know, they're blaming him and, you know, He's part of the issue here. And, again, you know, it it goes back to tax basis. And this is something that you all need to understand is that in most of our neighborhoods, it's economically disadvantaged. So there's not a lot of money going into the tax base. However, this is where the twist comes in. For me, we have all of these churches. All of these churches that pay no taxes, but yet the members of those churches live in these areas and they give money to the church, but the church isn't building businesses. 
the church owns a lot of real estate, too. In addition to owning the property that the church resides in, the church, a lot of these churches, if you look into their portfolios, they own quite a bit of real estate, and they don't pay taxes on that real estate either. So what do we do? You know, it's time to start taxing the church, even if we tax them at commercial rates. And look what's happening. Look at the consequences of not taxing the churches and having all of these churches, you know, in these neighborhoods. I mean, you go into some of our neighborhoods and you see between the churches, the liquor stores, and the chicken and fish joints, come on. We have to do better. We have to do better. And, again, you know, the article that I posted, he talks about how, you know, pretty much Brown versus the Board of Education has been tossed out the window and how our school systems, in particular in Chicago and many inner cities, is more separate and more unequal. You know, another example of that is in Detroit. They shut down the whole district. It's not just Chicago. And it's, it's horrible, and we need to do something about it. We need to be out here protesting. As a matter of fact, you know, need to get out here and be more vocal. But 37 children in a classroom is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Who would want their children in circumstances like that? And I can't say anything because well, I can, but I was raised here in Chicago until a certain age, and I went to these, you know, public schools. And there were, you know, 31, 32, 33 children when I was in school. The only thing that kind of worked out for me is the fact that, you know, um, you know, I was a different type of student, and I got shipped out. I was bussed out to another school, um, and only because I was part of this program, and it was the third try because they tried to put me in two other programs, and my mother said no. And... You know, that kind of goes into today's show. But, you know, we'll get back to that and come back. But, yeah, you know, we need to, you know, start looking at that and need to start paying attention. Someone in the chat room says if we tax the church, they're going to increase the building fund and pass the cost on to the members. Yeah, that's true. And that's why we're saying that people need to come up out of these churches. You need to come up out of these buildings. You need to come up out of these edifices. But if you decide to stay, and, you know, if you decide to stay in a church, you need to make them more accountable. You need to make them more accountable. What happens to that money? That should be transparent. It should be transparent. They should be your, if your pastor is not willing to open up the church books and to show you where every dime has gone, you don't need to be a member of that church. You know, and I'm not trying to cause any problems. I'm not trying to cause any issues. But the thing is, is that there should be some transparency because, you know, the pastor should not be, you know, splashing water on you as you're sitting there waiting for the city bus and he's driving by in a two three $300,000 car. And that's not how that works. You know, um, he comes to the – anyway, we, I'm not going to go off into that, but we need to make them more accountable. And this is why I say we should start challenging their 501c3s. We definitely should be challenging the 501c3s. And someone in the chat room said it would be interesting to see the accounting books of Chicago in Detroit schools. Exactly. All of that needs to be transparent. We need to be able to look at that. Again, these are public dollars. So we should be able to go and view that information. We should be able to go and view it. You know, there were some schools, you know, in Chicago as well as other places that came under fire because people went into the basement and they saw boxes of computer equipment, new computer equipment, and boxes of new books that were never given to the students. Why is that? Why is that? So... You know, again, we need to talk about that. We need to make them more accountable, you know, especially this mess up here in Chicago. It's just, you know, we've already had issues with the violence and especially the shootings because, you know, I told you guys that I've kind of witnessed something um, a bit over a month and a half ago. It really bothered me. But, uh, you know, the young man didn't die. He just was shot and he was treated and released. But, you know, you know, to actually see it. And, you know, 
it's just it's horrible. It's horrible. And by them, you know, cutting these programs, there aren't a lot of jobs for a lot of these kids. I can only imagine what this summer is going to be like up here. So needless to say, I will be doing quite a bit of traveling this summer, so watch out coming to a city near you. But, you know, again, you know, a lot of articles, a lot of things that I posted this week. We're going to get to the topic in a few minutes. I haven't forgotten. You know, we're getting there slowly but surely. But there was an article that I posted about how basically the Senate in, um, let me see here, in Louisiana, and basically they offered up an amendment to permanently drop anyone ever convicted of a violent crime from the food stamp program known as SNAP. And it actually passed the Senate in Louisiana. And unanimously, that's what I didn't understand. It passed unanimously. Again, where are we going? Where are we going with this? What's happening? And we need to address these issues. Anyone convicted of a felony in that particular state, and, again, it's liable to make its way across this country. Now, People have been falsely convicted in some cases. Other cases, you know, the person, they went to jail, they served their time, they get out of jail. In many cases, it's hard for them to find, you know, employment, and now they're not receiving any type of assistance to help them sustain, you know, their life livelihood. You know, what are they going to do? Many of them are going to turn back to a life of crime putting them back into the system. Is that what we really want? So, you know, this can and may lead to more crime, or or is this their, you know, Machiavellian way of, you know, chasing convicts out of Louisiana? Because in some cities, you know, they've been known to give people, not only homeless people, but, you know, convicts, basically tickets, you know, bus tickets out of their cities. They'll give you a bus ticket to anywhere you want to go as long as it's not around the corner and down the way. So we need to pay attention to that. And, again, you know, it goes back to, you know, the prison systems. I posted an article, you know, today about how mental health care funding has been cut and how when they cut the funding, how it's increased, you know, the jail population. And we've talked about that, and we're really going to have to read that book um, by Michelle Alexander. I've already read it, The New Jim Crow, and I'm going to have to read it again, but we're going to have to do a show about that and talk about the school-to-prison pipeline more in depth. Um, One of the new shows that's coming up this summer, I know that the person that's going to host that show I know they're going to want to talk about that issue, so that's coming up very, very soon, before the end of the summer. So, again, you know, guys, just letting you all know, um, it's just, it's horrible. It's horrible, horrible. But anyway, we're going to talk about one last thing, and then we're going to get into the topic. And I posted an article about the ghetto tours. Did you all see that? the ghetto tours, um, the Bronx ghetto tours. And what's happening is basically, how can I put this, tourists, usually from European countries, come to the United States. They go to New York to visit, and they are offering tours to the ghetto from a nice, safe distance. And, again, You know, they shut it down because people started protesting and, you know, people were outraged. They had a right to, you know, be upset about this. But, you know, they're touring our neighborhoods like we're some sort of zoo or circus act. Where is the outrage about that? Where is it? You know, it's horrible. It really is, you know, and we we have to get out here. We have to start protesting. Um, it was just, you know, took them by the food pantries, took them by the housing project, um, you know, a park that the guy called a pickpocket hangout. 
And, you know, it says the tourists were told that they'd get a look at the Bronx that reflects one of the darkest chapters of the city's history. The 70s and 80s, you know, when a tour website says this borough was notorious for drugs, gangs, crimes, and murders. And, um, you know, it's, it's horrible. But it's not just in the Bronx. They have them here in Chicago, too. And they have them in other cities as well. So don't point your finger and laugh and say only in New York. No, more than likely it's happening in a city near you. You just have to get out and do some research and investigate, you know, what's happening. So anyway, you know, we should have some outrage about that as well. So, again, do some research, find out what's happening. Um, I also posted some articles earlier about, you know, lost cities and, you know, where Central Park is now built, you know, where Central Park is now located in in New York, that used to be a thriving black area. And, you know, right after slavery and what happened was they basically were filibustered out of their, you know, property. You know, they call it eminent domain. But, you know, go ahead and look that up, find out some information about that. I post these articles so that you all can definitely be educated on what's happening out here, what's happening in your world, and what's happening in other places. So anyway, there you go, and we are going to get into our topic today. Our topic is family secrets, and we're going to be talking about abusive parents. So this should be, you know, a rather interesting topic Um you know, it's a lot of things happening. Um, Will Smith, he he gave this interview, and he says that, you know, because of slavery, African-American parents tend to treat their kids like property. And, you know, had some commentary on my wall, looked at some of the comments on this article, but, you know, there are some people, some parents that do feel as though, you know, their children are their property. You know, I've heard them say as much. I've heard some parents say, I brought you in this world and I'll take you out. And, you know, that's something that I heard growing up, you know, from, you know, people in my family. And, you know, it's, it's just it's interesting. But do you feel that your children are your property? Do you feel that they're little people? They're human beings. Whatever happened to that show, kids are people too. I'm not sure what happened to that show, but that was actually a very, very good show. And, you know, the young people had a chance to, you know, express themselves and, you know, you know, be told and know that they're human and they have feelings. And, you know, the whole thing, like I said, you know, we need to start addressing. That's why I say there needs to be some type of movement for the youth, for young people, because in many cases they're not treated, you know, equally, you know, like human beings. In some cases, you know, some people think their children are their property, and that's not the case. Um, I think this is Deborah. Is that you, Deborah? Yes. Uh, how y'all doing? I'm not going to talk much because I'm always, I just want you to know I was here. Oh, yes, I got you. Okay. All right, but yes. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, you know, with the young people, you know, your children are not your property. Your children are not your property. Um, They're not your punching bag. They're not there for you to project your frustrations onto. And that's where a lot of parents, you know, that's where they get it mixed up. You know, you did not have those children so that you could have your own indentured servants. That's, you know, that's not why you should have had the children. I can't say why anyone had their kids. It's just that um, I don't feel that that's why, you know, um, you should have children so that you have your own servants. There was an article about these parents over in England, as a matter of fact, and when they would get upset with their children, um they would basically, you know those plastic tote um, containers that you put, like, your clothes and maybe books and other things in a house in? They were putting their children in those plastic totes and taping them shut. 
with the kids inside, the totes. And apparently, you know, a couple of the children's uncles saw what was happening, but they never reported it. And there would be times when the parents would, um, or the father, would pour water on the children while they were cramped in, you know, those little bins, and the kids were struggling to breathe. You know, I guess he was doing his own version of torture there. And, you know, sometimes he would drop weights on their toes and force them to stand on their tiptoes in a corner of a room with pins placed under their feet. You know, and they would do this when he thought the children had misbehaved. And they would be given heavy weights to hold up in the air so when they finally gave way, the pins would pierce through the soles of their feet. Come on. And these are the people that are procreating. These are the people out here, and it's it's horrible. It's horrible, you know, and it's just crazy. It's crazy. You know, why would you treat little people like that? These babies, they're innocent. They didn't ask to come here. You decided to have them, and yet you want to abuse them. You know, it's not only just physical abuse, you have emotional abuse, you have verbal abuse. And it comes in, you know, varying forms. And here are some, you know, versions of emotional abuse. You know, being shouted at, being sworn at. And this is not just geared toward children. Adults do this to to each other. It's emotional abuse whether you're doing it to a child or to another adult. But, you know, again, it's being shouted at, it's being sworn at being spoken to in an unfriendly and disrespectful way, being made to feel ashamed, small, foolish, embarrassed, threatening of any kind, for example, destroying, threatening to destroy a pet, kill you, or hurt someone that you love, um, sarcasm and snide remarks, mocking, ridiculing, imitating, skidding, mimicking, impersonating, um, making fun of you in any way, be it your hairstyle, weight, shape, um, clothes you wear, what you do, um, preventing you, making it difficult for you to to contact and see your friends and family. That happens a lot. Um, laughed at and given no sympathy when upset, constantly daily criticism and put down, name calling of any kind, putting you down, for example, saying that you'll amount to nothing, saying that they wish you were never born, etc. Um, ignoring you and refusing to associate and socialize with you, talking about you and gossiping about you behind your back, always blaming you for mistakes, problems, and stuff you haven't caused and isn't your fault, treating you like a child and using baby talk towards you if you are a teenager or a young adult or even an adult, making fun of your illness, medical condition, disability, and or saying negative comments on them, making you answer questions, say things that you are not comfortable answering, saying intrusion, um, invasion of privacy, asking you intrusive personal questions, not respecting your privacy, um, making your successes and achievements feel like failure. You know, and they give an example here. Well, 94% may be an A, but you should have gotten 100%. So never good enough, never, ever good enough. Um, invalidation of your opinions and beliefs, constantly shouldering on you. Um, an example, you should have done this, you should be like him, you should go into, would have gone into this profession, not that one. And, you know, don't let your parents stop you from living the life you deserve, which is a good life. The best revenge is to live well and happily. So, I mean, basically, you know, they'll tell you, you know, you know, not to cry. It's, it's it's horrible, you know. And right here is telling you to ignore, you know, the treatment. Ignore what they're saying, and it's just it's horrible. You know, these kids are dealing with enough. They're definitely dealing with enough, you know, drama. And you know, when we were younger, we dealt with some of the drama. You know, some people say that these children nowadays have it harder than we did. In in some respects, that's true, and others, not so much. Um, But, you know, again, you know, who am I to say that? Because I don't know what a person can or cannot tolerate. And so then I'm not, you know, a spring chicken anymore, so I'm not out here 
with these children and dealing with what they have. But, you know, I try to be as understanding as possible and try to, you know, build a relationship and, and see what's happening out here. But, you know, you have abuse in many, many different forms. And, you know, right here um, in one article it talks about does one need to forgive abusive parents to heal? And that's a really good question. Do you need to forgive them in order to heal and to move on and to become, you know, a more productive individual? You know, again, it's a lot of denial. I know that's something that, you know, I had to deal with in my family, Um, a lot of denial, you know, things like they'll deny the facts, they'll say it never happened, or they'll deny the awareness and claim that they were drunk or they were in some kind of way impaired or they didn't realize that they were being, you know, that they were neglecting you or you should have told me. In some cases, they'll deny the responsibility. And, you know, especially in some of the cases of sexual abuse, it'll say, They'll say, well, that other person, you know, whether it's a child or another adult, that they were seducing them. Or in some cases when you have incest, uh, they'll say, if your mother or father hadn't denied me, I wouldn't have had to turn to you. You know, and then they'll deny the impact and say it only happened a few times or it was only fondling or, okay, so I beat you. Why do you always have to dwell on the past? You're just too sensitive. Get over it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure I'm not, well, I can't say I'm sure, but, you know, many of us have heard that you're being way too sensitive crap. And, you know, I find it interesting. You want to say that an individual or someone is being too sensitive, but you're not taking responsibility for the fact that whatever you said or did hurt that other person. How does that work? They're being too sensitive, not, oh, I never should have said that. Seriously? Seriously. You know, they're being too sensitive. It's not that you shouldn't have said or done whatever it was that you said or did, but they're being too sensitive because they're supposed to just sit there and take it. Hmm. Funny how that works. But, you know, personally, you know, sometimes I know people make it hard for you to forgive them. They really do. You know, you try to let it go and you try to move on and you try to strive to be the bigger person, the better person. And once they know that, you know, you've kind of let it go, then they want to come back and just rip the scab right off that sore and try to find a way to justify the bad behavior. And then when they finally do elicit a negative response out of you, then, you know, you're the one at fault, you know, know, according to what they believe. But what I will say to those of you out here dealing with some of these, you know, particular issues is, you know, never, you know, it's time to stop being the victims time to stop being victims. Um, it's just horrible. You know, some of these people, they go to extremes. And a lot of this is, you know, being carried out from, you know, things that have happened to them in the past. And I'm going to post, you know, some, you know, maybe, maybe I will, maybe I won't, post some um, academic papers um, dealing with, you know, academic articles dealing with um, abusive parents and the effect on children. And, you know, some different papers talking about, you know, um, do abused children become abusive parents? And, you know, it's just there are a lot of different factors here. But it's just it's, it's important that, you know, we applaud those who have survived the child abuse. And not only just child abuse, you know, there are adults out here that abuse each other, that abuse one another, and then try to find a way to justify it. You know, I posted an article a couple of weeks ago, about three, no, actually it's been about a month, and it's talking about abusive parents and asking what do grown children owe the mothers and fathers who made their childhoods a living hell? 
And my response to that then and my response to that now is nothing. Nothing because, you know, again, in abusive situations and relationships like that, you know, it's about power and control. It's definitely about power and control. And when you will not bow down, genuflect and kiss their rings, if you will, then that's when the abuse comes out. And, you know, it's interesting because um, in one particular situation, you know, there was this adult who was extremely abusive towards their children. And as they were educating themselves and learning about what abuse actually was, you know, in turn, they begged for their children's forgiveness. And... You know, their children forgave them, yet they would still say and do things every once in a while, as they say, so they can maintain, you know, the power balance, if you will. But what this person started doing was they started abusing the other people in their lives, and they couldn't understand why their relationships were falling apart, why, you know, many people didn't want to have anything to do with them per se, you know, and they like to blame it on, basically, they don't. They didn't like to be disappointed. So, you know, what they would do is find a way to sabotage whatever it is they had going on, whether it was a platonic relationship or, or you know, um, an intimate relationship. They would find a way to sabotage it because they didn't like to be disappointed, and I call that behavior cowardly. You're a coward. And you're also afraid. And, you know, again, it's about power. It's about control. So when they feel as though that they no longer have that power and control, what they do is they sabotage and run. But in the meantime... You know, they're deflecting and casting blame on others when, again, they're not looking at, you know, what they have contributed to the issue or the situation. But, again, you know, basically you have a lot of parents out here that, you know, are abusive to their children, you know, as the children are growing up. And then the roles reverse. Now the parents are older. And now they need the children and the children's help. But, you know, in some cases, the children do not want to have anything to do with the parent. And now the parent is sitting there. And, again, they may not be able to physically, you know, strike out at the individuals. But, you know, again, it does not stop the nastiness. It does not stop the sarcasm, the cynicism. It doesn't stop any of that. As a matter of fact, in some cases, it gets worse. And, you know, I've seen different situations in which the children totally cut the parents off. And the parents, you know, some of them have, you know, what I like to call selective memory. And it's, you know, they don't remember or they claim not to remember anything that they've done. And <laughs> and they blame it all on the children. Oh, well, I gave them too much. They were entitled. They were privileged. They were spoiled. They use a lot of those words to justify why, in some cases, their adult children want to have nothing to do with them. But they don't talk about how they were abusive and they continue to be abusive, whether it's emotionally or physically or even the threat of being physically abusive. So, um, you know, again, you know, you never know the whole story until you talk to the individuals involved. But in some cases, you don't deserve to know the whole story. It's none of your business. And they'll work it out the way that they can. But, again, you know, someone um, in the chat room said, children who experience child abuse and neglect are 59% more likely to be arrested as a juvenile, 28% more likely to be arrested as an adult, and 30% more likely to commit violent crime. And that's correct. And, you know, someone else says here that research has shown that certain factors bring the behavior out 
you may be abused, but if you have a certain disposition on top of the environment, the more likely you're susceptible to criminal behavior. Yeah, and that's something we need to talk about, you know, triggers. You know, there are some triggers. And, again, you know, some of the information that, you know, I read that was shared in some of these articles was basically they were telling, you know, the individuals that were caught up in abusive situations to, you know, kind of get an understanding as to what triggered the other person to behaving and responding in a negative way and to try not to, you know, trigger those types of responses. And, you know, and I understand because who wants to be in that position? But, again, it goes back to, in some cases, that, you know, these are some mental health issues. And, again, mental health care and mental illness, you know, in particular, has been demonized and vilified in the African-American, the black community, you know, and we need to overcome those stigmas. We definitely need to overcome those stigmas, and we need to encourage people to go and get the treatment that they need. And unfortunately, you know, the money that used to be allocated for these programs is being cut, drastically cut. And a lot of these programs are being phased out. A lot of these, um, a lot of the caretakers, you know, and the professionals are being overworked, overwhelmed, overtaxed, if you will. And, you know, I believe that in some cases it affects, you know, their performance. You know, but one of the more unfortunate aspects of that is, again, I've talked about this on several occasions, um, about how in a lot of these religious institutions, they used to mock and reject any type of, you know, therapy, if you will. And until they figured out how to monetize it, you know, they were against it. Now you have Christian counselors, you have life coaches, um, they're able to get money, and you know other titles, but they're able to, um, you know, ascertain funds from not only the state, but insurance companies, you know, uh, Medicare programs, and now they believe in counseling, but, you know, of course it has a religious twist to it. And in some cases, these people come out much worse than they went in. So where do we draw the line? You know, and someone in the room said triggers can basically, you know, be covert ways in carrying uh, carrying out dysfunctional behavior, and that's true. And there's quite a bit of dysfunction, and you know, dysfunctional behavior, yeah, you know, it's is is unreal, and it's about calling it out. It's about calling it out. It's about pointing it out. It's about you know, trying to encourage people to go and get healthy. And so, you know, again, you know, many of us have experienced different things in different, you know, different in a variety of ways. But, you know, hey, you know, we're adults now, and now it's time to, you know, take control of our lives. And that's not to discount what we went through, but, you know, what can we do now? to try to overcome, you know, what happened in the past. If it's happening to you currently, then there are decisions, you know, that one has to make. And in some situations, you know, some people are in precarious situations, whereas, you know, they're not able to leave. They're not able to walk away. Um, And this one article here is talking about the undeserving parent. And basically it was talking about this young lady who was about 9 or 10, and she went to lunch, you know, at a nice restaurant with her mom and grandmother, and she started yawning. And the mother asked her if she was bored, and the young lady responded, yes. And then her mom slapped her. And, you know, apparently that was something that happened before and subsequently. And basically, um, you know, her mom even slapped her when she was trying on wedding gowns. And so it's just interesting, but in this particular case, you know, um, when she, when the mother was in her 80s, the mom wanted, you know, the daughter's help, and they, I guess they lived in close proximity to one another. 
and she used to call and demand that her and her husband help her with everything, with feuds with the neighbors to, you know, issues with the cable TV. And it was a very strained relationship. And, you know, it happens um, often, you know. And it's, it's interesting because I know several people that have, you know, walked away from abusive parents. Um, there are some that keep the abusive parents around because, you know, again, especially when it comes to religion and people using the Bible to justify um you know, some of the behavior, you know, is, you know, the Bible tells them to honor their parents so that their days will be long. And, you know, they are abiding by that. But, you know, no one has the right to be abusive towards you, whether it's physical, emotional, or verbal. Abuse is abuse. And you need to call it out and tell them exactly what, you know, they're saying and what they're doing, you know, that, you know, and how it makes you feel. And in some cases, they'll tell you they don't care how it makes you feel. And, you know, again, you know, who wants to be made to feel that way? And our call-in number is 310-982-4273. Again, 310-982-4273. If you want to speak, press 1 so that I know that you're ready to talk. But, you know, again, you know, the whole thing is, um, you know, we need to talk about it. It needs to be brought up to the forefront. And, you know, there are some people out here, you know, and I'll say it again, you know, in some cases, some of these people are being forced, you know, to live a life that, you know, wasn't what they had dreamed of, you know, when they were growing up. And situations happen. Things happen, but uh, we have to be responsible, you know, for the choices that we make. You know, we don't have the right to, you know, abuse other people and to make them feel bad. And in many cases, I say if if, if it's going to be, you know, if you're basically being triggered to the point that you're going to be abusive or hurt somebody, it's best to just walk away. It's best to walk away. And, you know, what I don't understand about some people is, you know, when you walk away, then they get upset about that. So, you know, it's, it's interesting, but, you know, there's a lot of help out there, and, you know, you just have to ask for it. I've
Ja. Juhu. Okay, are you there? This is crazy. I'm not quite sure what's happening. Um, you know, you all should probably hear me again now. Yeah. This is, wow. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be giving them a call because that's just, mm-mm. That was weird. Yeah, that was weird. That was very weird. Um, right, so here we go. So, yeah, definitely I'll be posting um, some information a little bit later about where you can go and get some, you know, free health care. Yeah, yeah, that's just, no, that's unacceptable altogether, all around. I'm going to actually pull this episode and clip it. And, you know, fix it Or maybe I'll leave it the way it is So that they can hear it Because it shouldn't, you know Shouldn't be going through all of that I've had some issues in the past few weeks What happened was they were, you know, hacked And they've been having some issues So, yeah, now they're going to have to deal with that As a matter of fact, you know There are some other extenuating issues happening With Blog Talk Radio But anyway, guys, you know yeah, I think I am going to shut it down anyway because if it goes back out, you know, I cannot be responsible for what I may or may not say. So on that note, guys, you all have a lovely, lovely weekend. I appreciate it, and I am done. And, again, next week it's either going to be us versus them or it's funny because it's true. More than likely it's probably going to be it's funny because it's true. Because I feel like laughing. Anyway, you all have a great weekend. Take care. You too.
radio, radio, one, two, flag free thinkers, radio, radio, get a mic check, flag free thinkers, radio, radio, you're black, black, you're free, free, then this is the place to be, this is for the black, this is for the free, this is the place where we challenge you to think, so let's 